Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. Camera, action! Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd can talk through film. I'm sorry, take it outside. Well, a real nerd knows who shot, and a real nerd can follow the plot, and a real nerd will come out of the gods. Let's action! Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, your number one source to listen to nerds talk about movies, because every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. I am Ryan. Joining me is Brad. Hey. And Zach. Hello. This week. I can't believe your intro wasn't just like. What's up? It's time to get weird on this episode. That's too easy. That's low-hanging fruit. That's what you expect him to do. He has to change it by being normal, and that's the true weirdness of it all. I don't like it. I don't like it. You don't like this? (laughs) This isn't a podcast about being uh, where we we need to be normal. We we should be zany. Well, here's the thing is I'm not even here. Uh, My hey boy is here, so... (laughs) I don't. Um, I don't need to an answer to this. Good. Anyways, good call back. Yeah, <laughs> bring it all the way around. Um, our movie this week was weird. The Al Yankovic story. Stay tuned very soon because we're going to recommend the film or not. Play the trailer and then spoil the film. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to spoil a film that's a hundred percent true and based on someone's actual life, but we're going to do it anyways. Um. Yeah, it was fun. I, uh, Brad and I attended uh, the U.S. premiere of Weird, which I didn't know it was like that big of a deal, Brad. I thought it was just, hey, we're going to stream this movie at the Alamo because we want word of mouth on social media, you know? No, Roku called the Thrill Nerds and they're like, look, we need your expertise at this screening. You guys need to come watch it and then tell all your millions of fans how great the movie is so and then i asked if it was in black and white and they said no and that's when i dropped out but you two stepped in yes yeah and they was uh, really they gave us free shirts yeah (laughs) and wigs and mustaches and i looked like uh good old lou albino from the super mario show in the (laughs) 80s cool you can replace chris pratt (laughs) Nah, chris pratt will be fine uh, I don't know. That voice has me concerned. <laughs> yeah, his voice has you concerned. I talked to this, and I guess you weren't on the episode, Zach. No, I, mean, I wasn't. Do you really want an hour and 45-minute-long movie of someone going, Hey, uh, what you doing over there? Come I, over I, here. Considering that I've spent five, something, five to six-something years with a podcast where you've done that during some of my reviews, yes, I do kind of want to hear that for an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. 
I'm grown and accustomed to it. Because, I mean, Bob Hoskins was fine as Mario, and he just talked like genius. himself. Genius it's, performance. It's, it's, because it's, it's because it's Bob Hopkins. I will allow him to do whatever the fuck he wants to do in a movie he doesn't understand. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm but just it, saying, like, it, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand the big deal about the voice. I still don't understand it. And did, did you see his quote about playing uh, Mario in that movie? Uh, no. About how it's going to be something you don't expect, or no, no. Uh, they like uh, it was from like '93. The interview, and they're just like, so, you know, what's your familiarity with the uh, the video game? He's like, yeah, my kids play the video game, but yeah, I read the script and yeah, I, I saw the performance, and I thought. I played King Lear once. (laughs) 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 I'm in this movie, yeah. Yeah, good for him. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I don't understand the controversy about it, and I never will. I don't think it's a con. I don't think it's a controversy so much as just my my personal opinion is that it doesn't sound that fun, (laughs) but. Jack but Black why, and I, I don't understand though you have to help I, me understand i'm sorry I, I as much as somebody who like actively wants to push against uh stereotypes being portrayed in hollywood going forward that mario voice is kind of ingrained in my head to where i'm just like i will go along with it but it's going to take some adjustment period because when i saw the trailer i'm like he doesn't sound like mario yeah, charles martinet is still in the movie though which i think it's interesting they're like yeah we're, we're still have you in it but you're not gonna play that lead character that you're known for well, I mean, I mean it, even in the games where the Mario and Luigi games where Mario has actual dialogue, it's all in word balloons and he just goes, and it reminds me of this Conan O'Brien remote where he went to Italy and he was just walking up the streets going, Cannoli, Monticello. <laughs> and, and everyone was saying hi to him and his like his producer friend who speaks Italian fluently says, "You're being an ass." He goes, "I think people will like it." And this one girl passed him, and he went rigatoni, <laughs> and she called him an asshole. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll give it a you're, shot. You're, you're, side, you're siding with the internet, Zach, and I don't like it. No, 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 no. I'll never side with those Halloween ends hating assholes. I'm just saying, I, I'm I'm gonna walk in with caution. I guess is what I'm saying. Why? Trying. It looks fun. <laughs> it does look fun. Jack Black sounds like he's fucking cool as Bowser. I'm down with that. And I'm and Keegan Michael Peel sounds fun as Toad. Keegan yes, he does. <laughs> Keegan Mike. Keegan Just Michael two people Keegan. together. Yeah, well, that's yep. like a that's a oh my god, it's like the thing, Ryan. It's you combine Jordan Peel and Keegan Michael Key into Keegan Michael Peel. <laughs> yeah, that's what they are. That's they're always. Uh, that's how I think of them. I think of them as one person. As the bell hops outside of the hotel, and <laughs> Liam Neeson, <laughs> yo, bro, Liam Neeson. Neeson. <laughs> no, I won't side with the internet. I won't go at it with hate, but I am kind of like, I wish you were trying to push it a little bit. More. I don't know. Your take is exactly what the haters on the internet are saying. Okay, then maybe I'm a hater on the internet. But how about I go in with an optimistic attitude as opposed to people who will just actively trash it immediately. Okay. Sound that sound good? I mean, you can take. The, I guess you can take the spot of Corinne because you know she hates everything. So. Yeah, no, I'm 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 not that full of vitriol. At the end of the day, that movie does look beautiful animation wise. Like that looks stunning. <laughs> I want to see that. All right, come on. 
Give me a chance. I'll do that, it. You're, I mean, you're the one who judged it without seeing it, not me. I did see the. Well, I see that I saw the trailer. I'm only judging the trailer. I have no idea what the full movie's going to be. Where I'm pretty sure he says like one sentence in the trailer. Yeah, he <laughs> mushroom mushroom kingdom. Here we come. It sounds okay-ish. I think it's when he falls and he goes, "What the?" And then and I'm like, "Whoa, okay." It just sounds like Chris Pratt. But fair enough. I'll go in with an open mind. I'll stop being a hater. Because you know what's, what's going to happen if he if he talk like this, uh, people go, "Oh, now he's making fun of Italians." <laughs> that is true. He would probably would. Was he eating meatballs while he's saying that? Come on now. Yeah, that's true. By the way, don't come to a quote along of The Godfather ever, Ryan. I know you don't like that movie, but don't even come just to do that. <laughs> um, it's not that I don't like it. It's one of those movies, just like The Shining, where I think they're super oh, overrated. Oh yeah, you're you're right. But anyway. Back to weird though. Um, you guys got name called from what I um or not name called, uh, called out um in a positive way um at the uh event, if I recall correctly. Yeah, one of the I guess the MC of it, his name was Trevor, and he said he listens to our show. Thank you, Trevor, and mentioned us at the opening as podcasters being in house. So you know, it's uh, it was Brad's uh, awesome shirt design that I told him to design. Um <laughs> That he that that got us noticed. So in a way, it's kind of my um, shirt design. Mm-hmm. In a way, <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I was like, you should do um, "Hell to the Nerds, Baby" with a chainsaw. And you're like, oh my god, that is so genius! You're the genius of all geniuses. And I said, I know. Just let's make it happen. And you said, I can make it happen. I know. Just think of all the shirts we could have sold if I left it and not put the real nerds podcast name on it. You know, it should have stayed Hill the Nerds, baby. We probably would have sold a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> I blew it. I was like, oh, we got to maintain consistent branding. Eh. Well, Malia and I like wearing ours. So you got you got three of uh, three of them out of us. So mission yeah. accomplished. Plenty more. Yeah, still... If anyone listening wants <laughs> plenty more here. Here, I got an idea, Ryan. Uh, guy, guys listening to the show, if you want to spite me for me being so vitriolic just now with the Mario trailer, buy a t-shirt and spite me. So our, our, our t-shirt um, next year is going to go, it's uh, the real nerds. I'm like on a, <laughs> over a plate of spaghetti. No, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not pushing it for it to go that far. <laughs> oh, It's going to be a... Uh... A hybrid Bob Hoskins, Chris Pratt, Mario <laughs> design. Make it look like a creature from the thing. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. So, <laughs> Brad, do you recommend Weird, the Al Yankovic story? Yeah. Um, I saw it again as soon as I could uh, when it dropped digitally on on Roku. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. Um, it's insane. It's fun um if there was one thing i was disappointed in is that it doesn't tackle weird al's career after bad hair day so (laughs) uh i you know growing up like i know so much about weird al because i you know well i'm not gonna gonna spoil it brad but we know why (laughs) what we know why it doesn't tackle his career after Amish right, Paradise. Right. But, you know, I think there's room for a sequel. You know, why can't there be a, a sequel music documentary 
autobiography documentary thing. Like, <laughs> I think that'd be fun. And yeah, he's got another 20 years to work with for that. It, so you have, well, you, there is precedent for it. There was the Jolson story back in the 40s, and then they did a sequel called Jolson Sings Again. So oh, there fuck. could be we gotta weird... tie everything into old Hollywood every fucking time. There can be a weird too. Let's get weirder. I'm just saying, I'm advocating for your cause. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's great. Um, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing people ask me is like, how does it compare to a UHF? And I'd say it's different and less saney, but fun in a new way. Yeah, this, uh, this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, one, because I knew from the first trailer that this would be really funny and I didn't know how funny it was going to be where it just, I don't know how to describe it, but um, it takes a lot of left turns and, and stuff you don't expect at all. Um, because, it, you know, the, the, the trailer highlights the Madonna stuff and um, like the silliness of it. But there's a lot of really weird, like out of left field turns it takes. Um, all I have to say is the diner scene. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh before we get into spoilers, yes, you should see it. Like I said, I, it's one of my most favorite movies of the year. Uh, here's the trailer for Weird. Put it in. I'm tired of people thinking I'm some kind of joke. Your dad and I agreed it will be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. My whole life. All I wanted. I'm afraid we found your son at a polka party. Just to make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh. Well, you should do that then. Who my little hungry one? Hungry one. Open up a package of my banana. Dude, I've got chills. Every once in a great while, I can spot a talent that I know is the future of music. But first, we gotta find you a stage name. Al Yankovic. It's long, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just gonna throw this out there. Weird Al Yankovic. I love it. taken the world by storm. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. Name me one creative genius that doesn't have a checkered past involving alcohol. That's the medicine. And drugs. I think Madonna's a bad influence on you. What? No offense. I'm a train wreck. My parents wrote me off. I pushed away my band. You're all just a bunch of normals. I'm the weird one. You gotta take care of yourself. I saw in you something special. An artist with something to give to the world. In front of all the billions of people watching around the world right now, all I want to say is be as weird as you want to be. Yeah! You will never find true happiness until yeah! you can truly accept who you are. Thank you. 
Al, you can't smoke in here. <laughs> I totally deserve that. So uh, weird, the Al Yankovic story follows Al's, really his early career, as he uh, becomes a song parried, parodyist? Is that right? Maybe. Parodist, thank we. Yeah, sure. Um, And about with his disapproving family and how he kind of uh, beats all odds and becomes uh, overnight sensation and gives and he gets so popular that everybody wants a Yankovic bump where he parodies their songs so their songs sell better. And that's uh, Madonna's endgame in this. And so she, uh, you know, dates Al and then uh, he won't do parodies anymore because he's only going to do originals. Yeah, and of once, course uh, has... once um, you know, <laughs> he, he uh, has that LSD acid trip epiphany where he writes, eat it. And then shortly after, Michael Jackson parodies him with "Beat It." <laughs> yeah, so that's why I was going to gloss over all this stuff and then really deep get into the meat of it. Um, so yeah, so the opening where his parents don't like him, it, it talks. It's it opens on this like dinner scene, and his dad uh, says talks about how he works at the factory, and one of the guys got sucked into the metal. Uh, dicer thing and killed him and he says so what i'm saying is there's an opening <laughs> he wants he wants his son to go work at the factory and his son says he's like what do you even make at the factory you just call it the factory <laughs> it doesn't make anything and then later in the movie after he has his falling out he goes and works at the factory and all he does is push buttons and raises levers <laughs> And, and then he does it kills. out of order and he kills the guy in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And it, then it uh, cuts to him in high school and um, he's <laughs> also his, you know, before that, his mom says, oh, you know, all yeah. I want you to do is not be who you are. <laughs> and what else? Oh God, I can't remember. Like don't follow your dreams and don't yeah. be who you are or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you're weird. And I forgot before that, an accordion salesman shows up at his house. <laughs> Thomas Lennon. And, yeah, Thomas Lennon. And he's enthralling a young Al Yankovic with his um, <laughs> accordion. And when his dad comes home and sees it, he almost beats the accordion salesman to death. <laughs> <laughs> and after the mom pulls him up, <laughs> he's like bleeding out on the carpet. She said, we're going to buy this accordion. <laughs> and, uh, so Al plays it secretly um flash forward to high school yeah but don't ever and... let your dad see you <laughs> playing this accordion <laughs> yeah <laughs> flash forward to high school and al gets invited to this party and he he doesn't know if he should go and that's where uh they say man have you ever done a hey boy and he doesn't know what a hey boy is <laughs> so he goes to this party and it's a polka party where <laughs> everybody's <laughs> dancing to polka not to the polka party album yeah, and uh, someone busts out an accordion and they can't play, and Al busts out the accordion and like tears it up. They they taunt them with the uh, the accordion chicken dance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like fine, I will play, and he's like a savant uh, at it. 
Yeah, so he does, and then the the police show up <laughs> and take him home. The face part of the book right too is like all the background people who are like just discussing famous polka albums and things. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, the two like, the two girls. Yeah, <laughs> what was the like like wind fart or something? Someone like album. Yeah, I, yeah. It's so it's so funny because it goes through it does like this hardcore party and it's polka party and for people like zach who haven't seen it a hay boy is a man made out of hay that's put in your bed <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to fool your parents to, and to think you're sleeping yeah, there. To fool your parents uh, there. like a like a like a ferris bueller move kind of yeah but it's a, a like hey hey <laughs> so, oh god <laughs> um so anyways if uh he gets thrown out of his house and he lives with his roommates. And... Well, he goes to college. Like, uh, once he turns 18, he doesn't get thrown out. Yeah. But because his dad, like, after he gets busted by the cops um, <laughs> for playing an accordion at a poker party, his dad finds out he's been playing the accordion in the closet. And then finally, Al comes out and confesses that he's like, you know, I'm great at this. And I'm I'm going to. My dream is to write the uh, new music to other people's words. And his dad's like. <laughs> Where you've been playing that accordion, and then he finds it and smashes it. He's like, he... "Yeah, what does he? How does he describe it? I want to win an award for playing a very specific, specific style of music, music with the very specific instrument or something." Uh, I want to play. Yeah, yeah, it's in a very specific genre of music. Yeah, I want to. I want to so... win an award playing accordion in a very specific genre of music. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he goes to California, uh, lives with these guys, and they're all talking about dreams that they have. And I forget each one of the guys' dreams, but they're really silly. Yeah, and they're also and then, already his like Jim West, um, Bermuda Schwartz. Like it's already the band he accumulated over time. But like yeah. right out of the gate, it's these four guys. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, so he sits down and he says, "I've always really wanted." to write new words for songs that have already been written <laughs> and they tell him to do it. He says, I can't. And he goes, you got, Hey, Al, I need inspiration. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my Sharona comes on and he's making them <laughs> bologna sandwiches. And so it's it becomes also, my bologna. <laughs> it's also stuck on a loop on the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, uh, so he sings my bologna and, um, he goes and records it in a bathroom at a truck stop or something. Yeah, which is an, a nod to what happened in real life. Yeah, and he uh, sends it to a radio station, and he comes back to his apartment, and his friends say, "Dude, they're not going to play it right away. You have to, you know, spend years <laughs> of hard work, and you have to have more than one song." He also and comes then, in well, <laughs> before that. He comes in, he's like, "All right, I mailed it off. Now, how long before I become famous?" <laughs> like, like. <laughs> Like there's a specific amount of time, yeah. And they they it. tell him that it doesn't happen that way. But then all of a sudden, the radio comes on and says it's our most requested song ever, and it's <laughs> my Bologna. And so he goes from there to was he like a 15 time platinum Bologna? No, no. He, no uh, I skipped a part. Yeah, he he goes to the Scotty Brothers, who were the first public the distributors of his early album, and that's Weird Al and Will, Will Forte. And they're like, you suck. Yeah, we're not yeah. taking this. <laughs> yeah. You got to play some more gigs, man. So he goes and plays the bar gig at the That's Cobra right. Pit. 
which is a great <laughs> nod to Cobra Kai. Because the, the and everybody did the music on like Cobra, a... Cobra Kai did the music for that bar and everything. Yeah, and they're all the guys in there are you know bikers and <laughs> one was Patton Oswalt and one was Patton Oswalt. So he starts playing My Bologna on his accordion, and all of a sudden his roommates come out and start playing in the band with him. <laughs> Everybody's crying after he sings My Bologna. No, he sings Rocky, Rocky Road. Road. Yeah, <laughs> so they're all crying. And then like, they all. How come you guys didn't and... tell me you played <laughs> instruments? Yeah. Like it wasn't relevant until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just randomly can play instruments. Um, and then he becomes super famous in like six weeks. Um, well, also, everybody wants Doctor Doctor Demento's at that. The what? Doctor Demento's also at that bar. Oh, that's so right. He that. So he's like, "You got to play at my private party." That's right, the fucking party, <laughs> cool party, which, ha- which has like cameos from like every eighties. I don't know pop culture icon. There's like different comedians just dressed up as. I think like Paul F. Tompkins is Gallagher, Conan O'Brien is Andy Warhol. Um, Which was funny in our screening when Conan came on, like the whole audience cheered. Yeah, <laughs> Conan is Andy Warhol, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, the the big one was Jack Black as Wolfman Jack. Yeah, um, and then David Smallshin as a uh, the drummer from Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if no one knew who he was and he had yeah, yeah. <laughs> me the drummer uh, from or yeah what was, it's like john something yeah yeah too funny and they so they put him on this so wolfman jack puts him on his spot to write a parody song right then and that's when he writes uh, Queen. another one yeah. rides the bus <laughs> <laughs> and then and he's like the, earnestly like that was the best thing i've ever heard i want you to tour <laughs> tour with queen at live aid <laughs> and then house is like <laughs> no way dude <laughs> yeah, it's, that sounds like a waste of time <laughs> yeah psych so, yeah. it's like his earnest moment where he's like genuinely <laughs> inviting him to like play with queen and he's just like <laughs> yeah yeah so everyone's getting the yankovic bump and madonna wants it so she kind of weasels her way into his life for him to make a parody of like a surgeon um and he won't do it because he's going to focus on writing originals which brad mentioned and uh, so he wrote "Eat It," and then Michael Jackson stole it and parodied it with "Beat It." <laughs> yeah, which I thought was the best twist of the movie. That the yeah. movie is about him writing original songs and other people are parodying him. Yeah, uh, so it's just really funny. And um, he's only dating Madonna for what does he say like six hours, and it's the best six hours of his life. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been the best six hours of my life. Yeah, when he gets that call. Yeah, and he's and then he's on Oprah, and he's wearing uh, a necklace with his five platinum albums on it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he dates Madonna, and throughout there's a thread throughout the film where Pablo Escobar wants him to play for him, and he refuses. And uh, he um, he finally writes like a surgeon or performs it after he is in this like death. Uh, near death experience in a car accident. Yeah, like Mad- Madonna, like after the the beat it uh, scandal, um, she gets him hooked on booze, so he gets <laughs> starts to get getting drunk a lot, and so yeah, it leads to you know breaking up with the band and going on a bender, and then yeah, that's when he finally writes uh like a surgeon, and then he uh starts to I don't know get pissed off at the crowd because they you know he won't play beat it or eat it. 
<laughs> and afterwards, he goes to a diner with Madonna, <laughs> and they're going to tour together. And while they're there, Madonna gets kidnapped, and he has this like John Wick fight <laughs> inside the <laughs> diner. And he finds out that Pablo Escobar has kidnapped Madonna to get him to go to uh, Colombia <laughs> to um, to perform for his birthday party. For his birthday party, but uh, the hay boy comes back because he distracts <laughs> the guards with a <laughs> hay boy. So they shoot the hay boy, and then he shows up and shoots all the guards. Yeah, <laughs> it becomes like a nod to his Rambo skit in UHF. At that point, where yeah, he's yeah mowing down dudes in the Colombian jungle, yeah, yeah, and it's uh it's just great. <laughs> um, so he finally sees Madonna with Pablo Escobar, and <laughs> he gets shot, and everyone thinks he dies, but he pops back up because the bullet was stopped by his platinum records that he's wearing around his neck, and he takes one of them and throws it into Pablo Escobar's skull. And what does he say? You just got platinum or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the movie's really fucking silly. Um Yeah. And, and then uh Madonna, like there's a void in the, the drug cartel, so Madonna takes over. <laughs> uh again, this is a hundred percent true. Yeah, um, it's, it's all autobiographical. Uh it, and, and so they have this part where um at the end, uh, he's at an award show and <laughs> Dr. Demento offers to adopt Weird Al. And he says, no, I made up with my dad. So we're good. Because <laughs> his dad turned out to be Amish and wrote Amish Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's just stupid. And then um, you think he's learned a lesson because he's going out to accept his award. And his speech is about how great he is and <laughs> how everyone else is stupid. He's going to thank everyone later in yeah. private. <laughs> um, and yeah. his award he won at the like the Grammys was a very specific style of music played with an instrument, like an accordion or something. Yeah, and a very specific. Um, basically, the call, you know, the, the thing from the beginning of the movie is called back. Yeah. yeah and then he gets assassinated at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't think people were ready. If you don't know Weird Al, how dark his like humor is a lot. <laughs> it was actually know? oddly enough, it was pretty close to a PG movie. Um, yeah, and then there's that one yep, in memoriam <laughs> still where it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gory. Where he gets killed. <laughs> yeah, You're like oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep, because the last title card was Weird Al was assassinated by Pablo Escobar. <laughs> or no, uh, by Madonna Saccone. Yeah, like, in 1984. <laughs> yeah. So he never made it past 1984. He was yeah. too big for this world. And even though Bad Hair Day came out in like 96. Oh, and there's yep. that great pan of the audience and Coolio's sitting there like fuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> During Gangster's Paradise. But yeah, all that happened before 1985. Yeah, so the movie's really silly. There's, I, I know we blazed through it, but there's just too many jokes, and it doesn't really do it justice. But I really miss movies. Uh, I, I've said this before. Some of my favorite movies are movies like that, where they everybody treats it seriously, and the dialogue is really stupid, and what's happening is really um, exaggerated. But Daniel Radcliffe is great in this. 
Um, and he, uh, you know, really commits to the role. He's funny. Um, Evan Rachel Wood is great as Madonna. Um, Rain Wilson is really funny as Dr. Demento. Um, and that's really like, the main characters in it. And then there's a lot of cameos that, I mean, uh, I read an interview with Weird Al and for that pool scene, he just went through his Christmas card list and asked if people would come out for a day to help him shoot this, which we learned they shot the whole movie in 18 days. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Which is insane. Um, but yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. And um, I loved like the left turns it made. I loved how it was loosey goosey with the facts. Yeah. And it was really, cause it was a parody of, you know, music biopics about someone who writes parodies and it, it, it just, I don't know, Brad, I, I thought that the, the tone was right. And I just had a lot of fun in it. Yeah. It, it's yeah one of my favorites of the year. Um, like I said, it probably has a fewer laps per minute than like say UHF as far as zaniness, but also I think it's because like all of those jo- jokes had longer setups for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it's, yeah, I, I, like I said, I've already watched it three times. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, um, it's lots of fun. You also get a new Weird Al song at the end for the credits. <laughs> That's right. Describing the credits. Describing the credits. And he goes, This is an Oscar. Uh, it's <laughs> eligible for Oscars. It's eligible for Oscars. And, um, it ends twice and he comes back like a couple seconds later. <laughs> says, you thought it was ending, but it's not. It's great. And then, uh, like we teased at the beginning, there's a setup for a sequel because, uh, you know, oh, yeah. when Madonna visits his tombstone, <laughs> uh, the hand reaches up from the grave. Yeah, the hand reaches up from the grave, a la Carrie. Actually, uh, uh, my other favorite joke was the epitaph on the tombstone was like, I forget <laughs> what year, it's like 1964 or something is his birth year. And then it says, uh, for the death year, it just says, eat it or ate it. <laughs> yeah, he ate it. <laughs> oh fuck movie is awesome Um, everybody should see it (laughs) it's just great um yeah that's where I'm at with weird (laughs) everybody should see it yes it's it's like yeah it's like in the vein of MacGruber or like Kung Power into the Fist like yeah even like the uh the like Naked Gun movies you know yeah and i don't think you have to be a weird al fan to enjoy it there's a lot of weird al winks in it but i think it's uh broad enough where anybody could watch it and uh, watch it and enjoy it yeah i was lamenting that you know it didn't have you know his latter career really in it at all but i get that because in order to reach a broader audience i think most people know enough about him that's covered in this movie yeah and if i remember right i think eat it made it to number 12 on the billboard charts yeah so yeah that i mean in the movie like that was his biggest hit and in real life i think at that time that was yeah. you know he would he got an attention with uh my bologna and rocky road but it wasn't until eat it hit that you know you know he he parodied the like the most famous musician at the time so and, and what's cool is you know uh michael jackson liked that he did it and um, for the, uh, I don't, I can't remember if it was, I, 
watch an interview. I don't know if it was for Eat It or for Fat. I think it was for Fat. He let him use all the same sets and stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, to for the authenticity of it, which is really cool. That was another great joke where his mom put on a bunch of pounds and yeah, you know, <laughs> I was making up with his dad. He's just like, you know, I want to write another song, but I just need more inspiration. And <laughs> they're just like both <laughs> looking at her and she's like, yeah, I think you'll, you'll find something. And then when he's reading the lyrics to uh, gangster's paradise, he almost <laughs> like, there's a call back to like, Maybe I should do something with like that fat thing. Like, no, just focus on the Gangster's Paradise thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something like that. I forget. Yeah. Uh, so uh, just because we're here, um, Eat It reached number 12 on the Hot 100. And it wasn't until White and Nerdy came out that reached number nine that it was it was his highest charting single for that long. So four and nine, those are his two highest? Uh. 12 and 9. Okay, yeah. Which is, I mean, it's pretty impressive for a a parody song. Um, And that makes it even better. That it was that popular. Just saying. Yeah. What was it when he's on the phone call about the Eat It thing? It's like... Yeah. He's like... I can't stand that um, people are copying my words <laughs> yeah, my to words other people's music. Hitting the phone on the, <laughs> the no, but this phrasing of like, like I'm frustrated that people are copying my words to other people's music or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh shit. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, so if you can't tell, Brad and I really enjoyed Weird How. <laughs> Weird, the Al Yankovic story. But we're not the only ones. I think it's like at 90% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe even higher. Has anyone yeah. talked about like comparatively like UHF? Like, you know, it doesn't heard... have the box office, but is like the Roku stats comparable to... I don't know. How would you even... Um... Because UHF kind of tanked, didn't it? Yeah, it got swallowed up in that 89 summer that was huge. Yeah, uh, so it's at 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. But Roku hasn't just... released, like, watching stats or anything. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I, I don't know how they do it. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Roku's highest streamed movie of all time, because, I mean, who watches Roku? I know Bree uh, watches Roku, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, me too. Uh, so yeah, when UHF came out in 1989, it grossed <laughs> six million dollars. So on, is uh, Roku completely free? Like you can download the app and it's totally free. I don't know about. I think, I think you could download the app. I have the dongle for the TV, so that's where I get it, and I had to pay for that dongle. But once you've got it, you know, plugged into USB, you can just download the app for free. Okay. Or I think it comes preloaded actually, but yeah. You just log on like any other app and yeah, just select weird and it's ready to go. Because the other stuff has commercials in it, correct? Actually, uh, the movie has commercials in it when you watch on Roku. Mm. I just pulled it up on Roku.com right now to see and it's got little commercial dots in it. But are you saying that those are commercials within the movie? Yeah, so it's kind of like watching on TV. (laughs) 
Oh, okay. Like a TV or like on Hulu now. Hulu puts commercials into their movies now too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And HBO Max does that too as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. depending on the plan you have, I guess. Yeah, on the free yeah. plan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's a Roku premium plan. There might be. Maybe it doesn't have that, but I'm fine with the premium. Yeah, it, it wasn't that frustrating, to be honest. Like Maybe because I saw it at the theater, you know, to begin with. Yeah. I mean, but... I will say Hulu's, they have usually, I think, three. But Hulu, the com- last commercial break is there's still usually about an hour left in the movie. So they don't, you know, break up the climax or anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, see, weird. The Al Yankovic story. Yeah. Um, this is a big news story of the week. It's real news. Um, did you, I, I can't remember. Did you guys talk about James Gunn getting the DC job? We did. Yeah, we did. Okay. I can't find any news stories then. Yep, nothing happened this week. Yeah, there's nothing. I guess I got canceled for my opinions on the Mario um, uh, controversy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. You're I done in this industry. Sure, <laughs> yeah. No, I I want to go in with an open mind. I read, actually, you know what's funny? I read uh, an article while you guys were talking about uh, weird so that I didn't I wanted to block out spoilers. <laughs> and I know, um, as you're talking, I was like, man, we're giving away the whole movie, but it's so much fun. No, I know. Yeah. No, I no, I know. I, I'll blank it out. And the way I blanked it out was looking up an article on the Chris Pratt controversy. And one of the articles said British actor Chris Pratt. And I'm like, since when? <laughs> that that's not even close to true. Um, but one guy, I, I guess there was a quote by one of the co-stars who plays the Penguin King, going like, he's doing like a take on it that's similar to like a Sopranos character, an Italian living in New York. And I'm like, okay. Then I need to hear more of it, but I'm down for it. I'm not like opposed to it. Um, so I'm sorry if I hurt anybody's feelings, especially in the Italian community. Um, but yeah, no other real news. It must be. Uh, I-, I think Hollywood kind of takes a break at this point before they ramp up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, I, th- I, mean, I, I guess think everybody we- deserves to have a break on holidays. So, well, well, I think Weird broke the news cycle. After that, you know, what else is there to talk about? I agree. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Wasn't uh, I guess one of the Conjuring movies canceled or something? Oh, there, well, that was it. Revealed in an interview, James Wan said that the Crooked Man is no longer happening. All right, well, um, there's one thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's like any other franchise that has a stream of success, and then suddenly they're they're saying like, "Oh yeah, all these spinoff movies are no longer happening." So, um, uh, I I kind of wanted to see it, but I haven't even caught up on the last couple Conjuring movies, so I have no idea if that. Uh, oh yeah, because this came off of his Instagram. That's right. He said, "Unfortunately, the spinoff movie isn't happening outside of my control, but maybe one day." So, yeah. Too bad, but we're getting that Megan movie, which he's producing, so that looks interesting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can't tell me that that robot doesn't look creepy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I might have yeah. been on board, and it said PG thirteen. I go, hey, no. hey, we we've been we've been we've been surprised in the past with some PG thirteen horror movies, not all, but some. So I, I won't judge it right away. 
It's been judged. No, no. I already feel like a piece of shit from earlier, so I'm not judging anything anymore. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, the next segment, Corinne sent me ideas. She wants to call it, she says, call it dot. Discuss one thing or describe one thing. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. I get the acronym, but does not, <laughs> not, not very grabby. Yep. Uh, we'll try again. Um, thanks for the suggestion, Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other guys didn't jump on it. My so, my my, uh, my brain just blanked. What are, what does that mean? Uh, so it's you know where I say, hey, here's one thing we're going to talk about. The oh. describe O one T thing. Uh, okay. Maybe the dot matrix. I don't. <laughs> the only dot yeah. matrix is Joan Rivers. I have no idea what's going on right now. Zach, what's the one thing you want to talk about this week? Oh, um, all right. Uh, I was able to catch a really cool film this week um, from 1957 called Night of the Demon. Um, it's a British horror movie directed by Jacques Tenure, um, who did... That doesn't um, sound British. <laughs> well, he's a Hollywood filmmaker who made a film for Britain. Anyway, he came out of the Val Luton stock and he basically made a Val Luton movie in 1957 uh, of that vein. Um, it deals with um, this devil cult in the middle of the UK that um, is being investigated for legitimacy. And long story short, um, people who start uh, becoming skeptical of it and trying to debunk it are being knocked off. And so a uh, an American uh, professor who um, kind of works in the field of skeptical reasoning to basically call out these devil cults. So, like, there's no magic in here. Um, and then he is handed a piece of paper, which then hands over a curse to him, which means he's going to die on a certain day in three days. So um, he, he, it's, it's about him trying to unmask the cult while also trying to get rid of the curse. And the whole tug of war in the film is is the curse real or is the um or is this all a, a trick of the mind um i will i won't spoil it because i think ryan will really like the movie but the ending will be frustrating to a point because it makes a decision that throws away any doubt in both the beginning and the end but i'm of the opinion that if you watch the film and kind of picture that the certain choice is sort of maybe a hallucination or a trick of the mind itself, then you can still play into the idea of this being more of a, of a, of a mental thriller than a monster movie. Um, but because you see the, the demon quote unquote in certain points, it kind of takes away the argument. It's like, I want to believe that you can make the decision on your own, but unfortunately the film does make decisions for you. It's still worth watching. It's very well, it's very well directed on a very minimalist scale. Um, it's really utilizing a lot of anxiety that's lurking in the shadows and not necessarily relying on any monster element for the majority of its, uh, prowess. Uh, there's a scene where they're trying to hypnotize a former cult member and he loses his goddamn mind and uh, jumps out of a fucking like 
three story uh, building and just collapses onto the ground. And it's, it's, it's harrowing. It's, it's very intense and very, uh, 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 action beat a minute for a movie that will also take its time. So it has the best of both worlds in it. Um, so yeah, if you can find Night of the Demon, be sure you find the 96 minute cut that the UK had and not the 80 something minute version that the US has because they apparently butchered it and made it a, made it a mess. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the one thing I could, would recommend, especially as we're coming out of horror season. If you still want your horror fix, Night of the Demon is a, is a fucking beautiful, beautiful movie. Nice. Yeah. Brad? Uh, I'll leave it up to you. Which of these do you want to hear about? Uh, Banshees of Inisherin, um, Empire of Light, or uh, yeah, yeah, those those two. I, I don't even know what Empire of Light is. Yeah, it's a <laughs> Sam Mendes' next movie. Um, about oh. uh, Olivia Coldman works in a movie theater in like 1980, 81. Um, and all the, I, I honestly can't tell you what it was about. <laughs> like it was so, okay. un- it was so unfocused. Um, it was good. Like everyone's acting their asses off, but uh, there's so many different narrative threads going on that I was like, what? is the point of this it just feels like a bunch of stuff is happening you know they all have important things but they don't seem to interconnect that well and um yeah all right so i guess you should tell us about the other one (laughs) (laughs) um the one where colin farrell and oh man i'm playing the guys uh gleason Gleason. yeah uh, are feuding yeah yeah that was also fun. It was another one where it kind of, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like it went anywhere special by the end. Um, you know, the, the trailer is pretty straightforward. And the fact that, uh, Brendan Gleason's character is done hanging out with Colin Farrell's character. Um, and then you just kind of watch it escalate, you know, once he threatens to cut off his fingers, if he doesn't stop bothering him, um, I guess what the trailer doesn't show is that uh, I think the movie is about kind of mediocre people and how they like a lot of mediocre people lack ambition. You know, Colin Farrell's Farrell's character is perfectly content, like not improving himself and just living life with no ambition. And then there's Brandon Gleason's character who aspires to something greater, but at the same time is mediocre at playing the violin and he aspires to be great at it you know on at a mozart level and uh thinks that he's you know he he has a you know, a midlife crisis or a late life crisis where he's like i'm running out of time to make my masterpiece and i think colin farrell is distracting me from doing that so that's why he's upset uh and wants to stop hanging out with him um but he he does it in such a drastic way that you know, makes things worse than they have to mm-hmm. be. And so, you know, and like the, the thing is, he's terrible <laughs> at the violin, <laughs> you know, the phrase, those who can't teach. And so mm-hmm. he's great at teaching everyone else in the town to play music. But as far as his composition 
which becomes the Banshees of Inisherin, you know, he accomplishes it despite, you know, everything he's done, but at the same time, it's not a pleasure to listen to. So, mm-hmm. um, sounds like a violinist comic I'm familiar with. And then, um, you know, uh, Colin Farrell's sister, she's the only one in the town. You know, she's this woman surrounded by mostly men in this town. And, you know, she's well read. She reads books and, uh, you know, she recognizes like this feud and all these guys are just, you know, how ridiculous it is. And, um, but, you know, everyone here is content to just, you know, not pursue anything more than themselves. And so once she has it out, she takes it. Um, and then, uh, Barry Keegan, I think is his name. Keoghan. Barry um, Keoghan. Yeah. Keoghan. Yeah. Like he plays kind of, you know, like, um, the dumb kid with the heart of gold. Um, and he has a tragic story. Uh, his dad is the town police, police officer who's a bit of a tyrant and a little corrupt, um, and abuses the hell out of him. And, um, uh, yeah, like that takes a toll on him. You know, he doesn't aspire to more just because he's been so like beat down by his dad and stuff. And yeah, so it's an interesting movie, but at the same time, I was like, yeah, I, it's a lot of what happens is kind of circular. Um, and then doesn't end in a place that's was terribly interesting to me. But poetically, it makes sense, I guess. Um, so, yeah. I was going to throw Meet Wally Sparks in there. <laughs> <laughs> it was free on, on YouTube, but like I don't think there's much to talk about it. I couldn't finish it. It yeah, was still he gets still gets no respect. I, I think it was, it, that was on your film explosion list for that year, right? Uh, possibly. No, it's, it was. I believe yeah, it was. I, th- I think it's really funny. <laughs> that that uh that party scene in the very beginning is so long. <laughs> it was so long. I couldn't. I think it's it was... probably because you're watching it on YouTube is why you don't appreciate it. <laughs> I watched it on Roku. It was free. <laughs> um. I yeah. I think it was still the DVD copy too. Like I think it said 480p resolution. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was like I thought. Rodney Dangerfield is funny in it and his jokes are even like the ones that have not aged well in that movie. Um, there's still a certain charm to it, but narratively, I think it's 45 minutes before the plot kicks in. Yeah. You don't <laughs> need a plot. Uh, and the plot is just that uh, he needs to like suck up to the mayor of the town so that he can like get him on his, you know, Jerry Springer ish talk show. Um, but yeah, it takes so long to get to that point. Like they just hang out <laughs> that party for so long. So, yeah. Yep. Some people just don't respect the danger field. Mm-hmm. And then Do you real think quick, you'll ever get it. <laughs> and then real quick, I watched uh, Aliens at the uh, Esquire, and I pa- panned it earlier, and it is way better in the theater than watching it at home. Mm. So. That's a fun movie. I, I bumped up some stars because despite the horrible, horrible dialogue that's still there, it's uh, I, it was like one of the few like I know how that movie goes and I was sitting there just like in this ball of tension 
as they're trying to escape most of the stuff, you know, in the second half. I'm just like, I can't believe I'm just like tightening up here. I, I shouldn't be, <laughs> this tension shouldn't be here, but I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Well, it's because you just don't appreciate James Cameron as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate his early stuff, despite <laughs> his unnatural dialogue. <laughs> Whatever. Game over, man. Game over. They mostly come out at night. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, I, that's my favorite reading of a James Cameron line ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Also, I was at the Esquire. I took the opportunity to talk to Troy there, who programs a lot of the, the Midnights. And I asked him, because I've been wondering this myself lately. Like, what of the last decade are the new things that people would come out to a late night showing for like what has enough of a fan base to draw a crowd to fill a, a theater late at night again like the stuff he and i watched there you know is like 30 or 40 years old now and yeah we're we're an audience that's dipping off and staying home home for the most part you know and then the people the people younger than us grew up not being excited about going to the theater so i'm like what other than Marvel movies, you know, a, a couple here and there, like what is something that, you know, would qualify for that space? And yeah, he, he told me like, that's what we're trying to crack. Cause we don't know either. Hmm. Cause if we're, you know, if they're going to keep the midnights, uh, late nights going there, they need to start attracting a younger crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And I was yeah. like, you know, Mad Max Fury Road is, is done pretty well when I've gone there. So that's, you know, there's one. And I, mm. like I said, uh, a Marvel movie to you know, here or there, like Thor Ragnarok or black Panther. How about um, prey? Funny. You should say prey because, uh, you know, it, it didn't get like a theatrical, like weird did, but they're totally open to screening prey. It's just a matter of because it's technically a Disney film. Is if Disney will let them show it? Yeah. So if they get Marvel movies, I guess they might be able to get Prey. Gotcha. I, I told them like, dude, if you get Prey, I know four other people <laughs> that are coming yeah. to see that right out of so the gate. You'll, so you'll you'll make, make it happen. Yeah. Fifty dollars for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, because not even the Alamo is bothered to try and program it. So. Um, have they tried doing their cats rowdy screenings again at all? Has that been paying off or is that kind of oh cats rowdy? Kind of, yeah, yeah, they did that like earlier this year. Okay. Maybe they can go for that again just to for S's and G's. I, I still I, haven't I, seen the movie yet. I was in I was in New York that weekend, so I didn't get to see the audience for that, but I'll ask them next time in there to and find out how it went. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, like, I mean, they might want to just start looking at how Alamo programs a little bit and just try to, like, go go within that direction without copying it. Because I went to the Elf screening and, man, that thing was packed. That thing was fucking packed. I was shocked. Yeah. But that's also, like, you know, the first decade of the 2000s, which, you know, you could put Scott Pilgrim in that group. Um, yeah. Uh, National Treasure did okay this year. Um, the Mummy... Yeah, well, the it, oh, the mummy it, movie party wasn't that well attended, but they also that was the second screening, but it was still fun to go see that in the theater, hands down. 
Yeah, they're doing that at the Esquire, I think, next or in a couple of weeks. And but that's like a late '90s one. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the specifically the past decade that has like Mad Max Fury Road in it. It's like I can't think of a lot of things that I can imagine younger crowds coming out to see again because they loved it so much. Inception might have that possibility, or another Nolan movie might no. have that possibility. <laughs> oh, come on! Yeah. No way! Come on! People liked Inception, like cinephile uber nerds liked inception and interstellar like i'm talking about you know like maybe pitch perfect i guess maybe oh, pitch perfect would actually be really good yeah one of them pitch perfect would be really good like a, more of a broader audience maybe la la land i don't know <laughs> <No>. <laughs> people seem to like that one too I like La La Land, but I don't I, know if I want to see it at midnight <laughs> i know faye dunaway loved it so much that she thought it should have won the oscar <laughs> Um, fuck, I don't know. Um, we have to figure out now. I just, I just thought it was an interesting question to ask. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good quandary. Um, because yeah, so like I like, said, they don't even know. They're like yeah. baffled, and they program movies all the time and see audiences all the time. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish that somebody was replaying Knives Out right before Glass Onion. I'm assuming the Alamo might be doing that at some point. But that's something I wish would happen. I'd like to see Knives Out in the theater again. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of things I want to see, but my my yeah. question is, oh, like who does the big like? What's the big audience grab? Yeah, what do general audiences like want to come out to see again? Fast and Furious movies, maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe they could do Fast Five, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, not I, Batman v Superman. That's for sure. I really <laughs> think it's just Marvel movies, like. Uh, yeah and yeah I, I pitched them doing like well you know you could do infinity war one weekend and do endgame the following weekend yeah yeah i'm not um, gonna lie I, I might go back out for that i don't know i think audiences um, come out for uh no way home again um but that's also this decade mm-hmm. so maybe oh, deadpool you know, you... deadpool yeah deadpool might be a draw yeah, Deadpool would be a good draw. There are there are titles. We're just not we're just not conjuring them up the way we would be able to in even the the two thousands themselves. And it's not to it's not to say that the market's saturated with Marvel, but you know, like the choices that I can only speak on my list. Like I've put Marvel movies on there occasionally, but more often than not, it is not the stuff that people were going out to in droves. So I don't have my finger on the pulse at all. Um, maybe a Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie might uh, serve a good purpose in there. Oh, is it my turn to talk? Yeah, yeah. You haven't you haven't interjected. You could have said something. Do you have suggestions, Ryan? <laughs> no, I was going to talk about what you know the one thing I recommend. But I mean, I didn't know if it was my show anymore or what was going on. <laughs> it's Brad tries to figure out what's cool each week. <laughs> <laughs> I got in a little bit of the what Brad around town. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Gee, many Christmas. I haven't lost all control. You know, maybe you should just be a stronger leader and not let that happen. Well, uh, as a leader, I also let my fellow people try and seize the moment when I'm giving it to them, a platform to 
say what's on their mind. And man, I don't know if I'll ever do that again. <laughs> yeah, you you learned <laughs> that at the top of this show, and then. <laughs> yep, Jamie, Christmas. Yep. Uh, yeah, the uh, the thing I watched over the last couple of weeks that I think everybody should see is uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Um, the 1931 version. Oh, you did watch it. Fuck yes. Yeah. Ooh. Which uh, was released by Warner Archive on Blu-ray, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I've I've never seen before. And um, it, it's interesting because they call him Jekyll in it, not Jekyll. Yeah, <laughs> that is a fucking weird part of the movie. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it, I mean, it's it deals with, I mean, if the story is the same, dealing with addiction and a side of you that is locked away and that is unleashed by this magical compound that uh, Dr. Jekyll becomes addicted to. Um, Mm -hmm. And Frederick March is incredible in the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, The duality of the roles he plays as Jekyll and then as Mr. Hyde is there's an actual difference in the character. Mm -hmm. It's not just visual. Yeah, and it's not like super over the top, um, and because the horror in it is, it's really unusual. It comes from how he treats Miriam Hopkins um, yeah. in it, and he's just so cruel and he's so mean mm-hmm. because she's, I mean, she's a prostitute, so he believes her to be less um, than he is, mm-hmm. and. Jekyll's descent into madness is even more heartbreaking because at the beginning when he is uh, Jekyll, he's a really brilliant guy. He's super caring. And there's a moment in it where um, Mr. Hyde, uh, Jekyll can feel him taking over. And he says, I can't, um, I can't turn into him. And again, and um, he ends up uh, helping, Miriam Hopkins as I can't remember her character name in it for some reason. Um, because she's a prostitute, but he puts her up in a nice place after he treated her so cruelly as Mr. Hyde. And he feels awful about it, but he's too far gone and he doesn't even need the serum anymore to turn into Mr. Hyde. And he, after he promises oh, um, Ivy. Yeah. That's her name. Yeah. yeah. As after he promised her, he'll never come back. And he tries to write, the wrongs he did um he comes back and he murders her and again he tries to be better and pleads with his fiance and calls off the marriage um and then he goes outside and looks at her and turns back into mr hyde and kills um his fiance's father and um it's just a really fascinating film and it uh, the descent into madness and um, it's it's a horror film where it's you feel uneasy when you watch it mm-hmm. because Mr. Hyde is so horrible in it and the way the, the things he says to Ivy and the, and he you know beats her and um it's just man I, I that's where the horror comes from because yeah, I mean, you can say it's from him turning into a monster. He kind of just looks like turns into kind of like an ape man, but yeah. uh, 
but that's not the point of the film. It's, you know, with the addiction and how he treats people and the horror is really not violent. It's an uneasiness you have when he is talking to this woman. There's a, uh, there, there's a lot of about the duality of a, of a person, the two personalities we all carry. Yeah. It's, it's a character heavy film. It's not a plot movie. It's a character movie. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's one of my favorite horror films from that era for sure. It's, um, it's, it's the one that was able to break the mold and get an Oscar for best actor, which is, which never happens. Like, and I, I, I'm glad I waited to get the Blu-ray because I mean, it is stunning. The, mm-hmm. Um, the transfer, and it comes with uh, a Bugs Bunny cartoon, which is really funny. Yeah, um, yeah, it's um that that transformation sequence. Um, uh, up until Robert, uh, Rupert Mamoulian died, um, the director he kept the secret of how they did it to the grave. Like he wouldn't talk about it. He would never reveal a damn thing. And it ended up being a situation where. It's not when he gets the makeup on. It's when it looks like the life is draining out of him. Um, and it's they they did it by um, slowly changing the type of filter that was over the lens. And the makeup was adjusted as such that it reacted to, I think it was red gels over blue gels. So if yeah. you had the blue gel over, it, he looked normal. But if you started lifting up that um, that gel to the red gel, you started seeing the effect of what happens when the, when the makeup that's applicable to the red gel is exposed. And so, and then that's when the camera kind of cuts like moves away. And then we get to the, um, uh, the makeup. It's still one of the most incredibly wonderful in camera moments I've ever seen. Like you're not doing optical printing or anything. It's just fucking amazing. And it's always surprising too. Uh, this movie has nudity. <laughs> oh, yeah there's actually they did a couple of different versions of that scene in the bed depending on where they were releasing it i i read i don't know how like i would i'd love to know who got what (laughs) yeah i mean it's not you know overt i mean you just see her like butt and side boob but i mean it's pretty uh oh it's there oh yeah Yeah. it's 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 like when i watched uh i was the marlene dietrich Cary grant one um uh blonde venus yeah yeah blonde venus where there is actual actual nudity and i go huh yeah that's pre-code brother yeah pre-code baby get 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 those get those forbidden uh hollywood dvd sets from tcm archive you'll probably see more (laughs) yeah so definitely check it out and you can get the blu-ray i think it's like 15 dollars um it's definitely worth it um commentary is great on it um yeah definitely check it out Speaking of checking it out, Corinne sent in something. I haven't listened to this one, so I'm going to listen to it and see uh, if uh, I'm going to agree with her for once or what, if she doesn't like something again this week. Here's what Corinne had to say. Hey, nerds. Corinne here for part 43 or 44. I lost count of Catching the Classics, where I watch and talk about famous movies I've never seen before. This week was a surprise entry. I watched... The Nightmare Before Christmas with my friends for Halloween because I mentioned to them that I'd never seen it and they were like, we got to correct that. So yeah, saw it for the first time. Admittedly, it was a week ago now, but um, I can just give you the highlights because I guess I'm just not a Tim Burton fan. Uh, 
I can't think of any movie of his that I've seen that I really loved. I mean, I can admire some of the craftsmanship. You know, I think I reviewed Edward Scissorhands on, on Catching the Classics, and I was like, it was okay. Um, and then I've seen Big Fish, and I've seen, uh, obviously, like, you know, the bigger ones, like Beetlejuice and Batman and stuff. And, you know, th again, things to admire about his work. But overall, his style, like his tone and his subject matter, is maybe often a little too dark for me. And that was definitely the case with this one. Um, again, the stop motion, the animation is beautiful. Um, and in its own, you know, quirky way, I was like, you know, these designs are very, um, you know, fantastical and, um, you know, very imaginative and everything. So visually, it was great. Um, I, well, you know how I feel about dark and disturbing and gross things. So, but setting that aside, objectively, I can say it was really well made. And I thought the voice acting was fantastic. I guess where it falls for me is it seems very short. It was, it's like, what, 80 minutes? No, I don't even think it's 90 minutes. Yeah. And there's a lot of singing, <laughs> which I know, I, I know I'm like, I'm a musical fan. Why would I have a problem with that? But there's a lot of songs and some of them are kind of unnecessary. Eh, I don't know. I, I mean, the opening two were perfect. I was like, you know, this is Halloween. It's like it's setting the stage. It's introducing you to the world. And then whatever Jack's song is, where it was very much like a Disney, like, I want song. And then they kind of kept going. And I'm like, oh, so this is almost more of like a stage musical where they don't stop singing than it is a movie musical where songs are kind of intermittent. And... I think that they needed to have a, a just a maybe like two or three fewer songs or maybe like condense them into a single song. Um, the fact that the villains get two songs because you have like the one um, with the kids where they're like kidnap Santa Claus and then Oogie Boogie gets his own song later. And I was like, OK, so the villains get two different songs in this. So, yeah, I could have condensed that. Also, I guess I wasn't big on Oogie Boogie in general. Just because, that, I mean, yeah, they hype him up, but then I don't feel like he gets a lot of screen time after that. And, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't even know if you really needed a villain. I think the kids were to just fine as the villains. And, you know, obviously, okay, they need to kidnap Santa Claus. And then they just, you know, hide him away from Jack and everybody else who's trying to bring him back. So, yeah. Oogie Boogie. I was like, I don't even know if he's necessary. Um, but yeah, in general, um, the story, and it was, it was okay. Like I said, I'm not big into like this creepy crawly, you know, this imagery and, you know, people taking their heads off and limbs falling off and, you know, the undead and all this, uh, that always freaked me out. Like, cause I saw Beetlejuice as a kid and I don't, you know, those parts where, people were dead or they're taking off their limbs and shit always freaked me out and I'm very glad that I watched this as an adult because if I had seen it as a kid I probably wouldn't have liked it for that reason so yeah wasn't my favorite thing ever I see the merit 
I understand why other people like it, especially because my friends and I, we were debating, like, so, you know, because they've seen it, and they were debating, like, is this a Halloween movie that you, you know, is it more Halloween or is it more Christmas? Like, when's it more appropriate to watch it? And I think they landed on, it seems more of a Halloween movie, and I've, I felt that way as well. I, I felt like, no, with the darker imagery, you kind of need to watch this on Halloween in preparation for Christmas. <laughs> I mean, you probably could watch it the other way, where it's like, you're watching it on Christmas, but I feel like it'd be a little bit more out of place. Because if anything, this should help you transition into Christmas, which I still feel like that's almost two months away. Like, <laughs> we have Thanksgiving and all these other things in between. Why is it just, like, we go immediately from Halloween to Christmas, but that's a whole other discussion, and we don't need to get into that. So, uh, I'll just leave you with those thoughts. I'll give it, like, a three, maybe a three and a half out of five stars. It wasn't my favorite, but I thought it was well-crafted, well-made for the most part. I still think that the balance of songs to dialogue needed to be a little bit different, and I think it could have been a little bit longer and maybe had a... Um, like trim some things or combine other stuff or, you know, make like a little bit more development. Another thing that bothered me was that um, Jack and his love interest, whose name escapes me, Sally, I think, um, Jack and Sally have maybe two scenes together and then they wind up at the end. It's like, I understood that she liked him. So she was, you know, she was in love with him and crushing on him. But he seemed to not really care about her up until, like, the last minute. And then that's how the movie ended. <laughs> I was like, there was no build-up to this relationship, at least from his side. Because, yeah, anyway. So, I'm nitpicking at this point, but that's how I felt. I could have used a little bit of some things and more of others. Uh, or a little bit more of some things and a little bit less of others. So, that's what I'll leave you with. Again, I'd give it, like, three stars. So... Talk to you later, nerds. Uh, I still need to do a Catching the Classics with both the versions of 310 to Yuma. So that will probably be coming down uh, in the next couple of weeks. So talk to you all later. Bye. Wow, surprise. Corinne doesn't like something. Uh, don't tell my wife. That's my wife's favorite movie. Uh-oh. Guess yeah, uh, Corinne's not invited Christmas. to your house anymore. <laughs> um, the truth be told, I, I don't love it like my wife does but i think it's super creative and um and, and i think the stop motion is really cool and i think the character design is really cool which tim burton actually did do the character designs uh for the film um but you know and, we didn't and probably really inform the story yeah um we really didn't talk about news but there the news was harry Selling went out and said hey man i made that movie they just put Tim Burton's name on it to help sell tickets or something. He yeah. came up with the story and produced it, but that's not that's not the hours and hours of work that's put into capturing each frame uh, of the of the stop motion product. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fair if Corinne doesn't enjoy it. It's not everybody's cup of tea. I rewatched it with Malia during Halloween, and we I loved going through it again. I haven't seen it since. I don't even remember when I saw it the first time, really. So, but it's playing at the Esquire soon, so I'll, I'll give it a rewatch. Hot take: you... Monkey Bone is a better Henry Selleck movie. No, no. <laughs> oh my god, 
Um, yeah, I, but I don't know. Just, to, just I don't know. I, I've been giving Corinne a hard time, but there is some truth to. Um, I don't know what she likes anymore because it's. I don't like this unless it's fruit baskets or fruit snacks or whatever the fuck that's called. It's fruits baskets, and I finished it with Malia, and it was pretty damn good. Is anyone watching? Is anyone else watching Andor? No, no, I, I really Rings should. Of, I finished uh, Rings of Power. That was good. Maybe I'll make that. I, I've been working so much. My this last month, um, I, I've worked like two hundred and twenty something hours. So I, I've been kind of slacking on watching shows. I heard it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the Star Wars show for adults, and yeah, you know, it's it's it does. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's kind of boring. It's a little political and talky, but uh, it, it's really building to some awesome stuff. Um, especially this I'm last episode. Corinne hasn't sent anything in for that, probably because she doesn't like it. Yeah, there's no Jedi in it, so mm. you know, and there's no. Um... There's no like bad bad Mandalorian, guys. no Dinger in. <laughs> There's no bad guy who's murdered a bunch of people who needs to be redeemed for some unknown reason <laughs> in her eyes. I mean, I don't know. There's there's no um what is it? Raylo uh combinations <laughs> that no Raylo wish fulfillment. I love giving people a hard time when they're not here to defend themselves. I know, it's so easy. <laughs> it <is>. <laughs> <laughs> Corinne, mm-hmm. I really appreciate you uh, still sending stuff in and being a part of this podcast in all seriousness. Just maybe try to find something you like. If you send in something that you talk about that you actually like, then I, I, I don't know what will happen, but I'll be, be shocked. Shocked. Shocked to the core. Maybe uh, next week she'll have a glowing opinion of our movie of the week. Maybe. Crossed. Maybe. What is the movie of the week next week? We'll be seeing Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Woo! Which I was going to go see Thursday, but Kellen, (laughs) my little guy, told me today that he wanted to go see it. So I'm going to have to try to avoid spoilers, you know, so I can't go to Corinne's Twitter feed because she loves posting spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll have to try to stay off the Internet for two or three days. Yeah, so that means you're gonna watch over the weekend. Yeah, I'll watch it Sunday. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna oh. go Thursday because I got to go 48 hour for the weekend. Oh, that's Ryan, right, Ryan. I get off of work on Sunday at like 8 a.m. Let's let's go together. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Kellen has hockey from 9:15 to 10:15, but I'll be free after that. Sweet, sweet. Just gonna drive right to Golden and say, "Get in, loser. We're going to Black Panther." Oh, yeah, I guess you could bring your kid, too. (laughs) There's an 11 o'clock Black Panther on Thursday. That's my showing right there. There you go. Two people in it right now. Must be nice to have a job where you can make your own schedule. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's the only benefit. (laughs) I'm I'm not complaining. I I, I enjoy my new job, so I can't complain. But I I love my job. It's just I... It's one of the few jobs in this world where you really can't finagle out of what you work. 
<laughs> the city can't it depends on you being there so it's like if back it's like if batman took a day off for i don't know eight years from defending the city <laughs> ryan the mayor's been taken hostage yeah but it's my day off yeah i'm good <laughs> i'm not I'm even supposed good. to be here today <laughs> <laughs> your partner's yep. randall <laughs> fucking squad car Ryan, there's 10 people trapped in the Argo mine. Yeah, yeah I gotta right. watch my kid play hockey. <laughs> Should have walked in there. <laughs> Darwinism at its finest, boys. Hey, did any of you guys win the $1.5 billion Powerball? Did they draw it already? I don't know. Yeah. Malia, did you win the Powerball? No. Well, I guess we're still stuck doing this podcast. Um, so we'll see you at the movies. It's just right. spending. Bye. Well, a real nerd knows who shot a real nerd. Can follow the plot and a real nerd. Look at all the gods. Let's crash on. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6NERDS5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it. <laughs>